0: It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Quick shout out to our podcast listeners, which already, we're only in the 15th of the month, Uh, our audience is about to hit a new uh, monthly record around the world, so it's pretty humbling actually, and a great privilege to be able to connect with people around the world, different countries, and at least one of the languages they speak is English, because sometimes I can speak things that people understand, but uh, this is our... uh, This is what some people call the most wonderful time of the year. It's certainly a very unique time of the year, and leading into Christmas, there's things that we kind of only do in the run-up to Christmas, and one of them, uh, as uh, some of you who are teachers or parents will know, is kids writing letters to Santa, and uh, I thought I'd start to read, read you a couple of my favorites. Here's one here. Dear Santa, I think you are a fat man, and I'm not leaving you any cookies, because Mrs. Claus said you are on a diet. You need to stay away from junk food and don't eat too much on your trip around the world. That's why I'm leaving you vegetables this year with ultra-skim milk. I hope you lose some weight, because with all those toys and you, I start to feel sorry for Dasher, Prancer, <laughs> Dancer, etc., and Rudolph. I sure hope you brought everything I asked for. We'll see you later, since I didn't see you this year in person. I hope to see you next year. Love you. Bye, Jennifer." Now, I'm telling you, I read this and I'm like, this is how Jennifer writes to someone she loves. The takeaway here is don't ever get on Jennifer's bad side, all right? anyway, now here's another one Dear Santa, Santa, I'm only doing this for the class. I know your naughty list is empty, and your good list is empty, and your life is empty. You don't know the trouble I've had in my life. Goodbye, love, I'm not telling you my name. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right. And then we do Christmas carols, okay? And, you know, they're traditional, and we sing them every year, and they're sort of like the bangers that we sing every year. They're, they're kind of they're super familiar. And one thing I encourage people is to, is to do every year is just, just pause and, like, look a little bit more intently at the words, even though because when you sing them, blah, 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 blah. Okay? Because I'm telling you, when you do that, different things come out. In fact, there is a whole category of Christmas carols that I refer to as creepy carols. All right? Here's an example. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town, exclamation mark, like warning. Uh, He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. The writer of this carol is confusing Santa with Alexa, and it's a problem. Okay, because because this is like think about this. Let's say tomorrow you put you flick on you flick on Judge Judy, and there's a big fat man in a red suit with a white beard sitting there. He's the next man up in the dock, and Judge Judy looks over her glasses and says, uh, "Excuse me, can, what are the charges here?" And the bailiff says, "Oh, uh, Judge, uh, it's." Uh, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Boom, boom, guilty. Get him out of here. We think we sing this stuff. We think, oh, what a cute song. It's not cute. It's creepy. But let me do this. This is a pro tip that some people confuse Santa and Jesus. Let me just swap out two words. He's making the list and checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice, Jesus Christ, is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. This is some people's picture of how Jesus operates. And because that's some people's picture of how Jesus operates, they think the best play is to run away. The best place is to duck and cover. The best, the best uh, method is just to avoid because that guy, he's coming to get me. And, and, and Christmas is a reminder that Jesus is coming, yeah, but coming to get me, that doesn't sound like good news. And we've been teaching this series, The Unsettling Solution for Just About Everything in the Run-Up to Christmas, really focusing our attention on who Jesus was, what Jesus said, And what Jesus did, because one of the main reasons Jesus physically came to earth in human form was to actually show us what God's really like. And we've been saying that the unsettling solution for just about everything is the one thing that sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. And it's this thing we call grace. And grace is a churchy word, and we know that, and we've acknowledged that, and we're a church, so occasionally we get a wee bit churchy. But let me give you the not churchy definition of grace. Grace, we're saying, is what we crave when we get caught. In other words, when you get busted for not doing what you should have done or for doing what you shouldn't have done, you're hoping deep inside, even though you know you're guilty even though you know you've been sprung, even though you know you ah, even though you know that, even though the truth is you did it or didn't do it but should have, there's a little piece inside you that's hoping that the person that caught you isn't gonna give you what you deserve. That maybe, I mean, best case scenario that they're gonna give you a hall pass and forgive you entirely, or or at least just, you know, throw me a little bone here, and that's grace. That's what we're craving. We're craving that, that there's sometimes, even when we're guilty, something inside us doesn't want to receive what we deserve, and that's what Jesus came to show. That's what Jesus came to do, because up to that time two years ago when Jesus rolled in in human form, a lot of what people thought God was like, which today even some people think he's still like that, was about keeping the rules and not breaking the rules. And if you keep the rules and you don't break the rules, then you'll, you'll keep God happy and everyone will live happily ever after. And Jesus came to say, you know, God's not about, first and foremost, about keeping rules and not breaking rules. In fact, he's, he, he's actually not fair. He's actually not into do the crime, now do the time. Now, I keep having to qualify this which isn't to say when we say or do dumb stuff, when we say or do things that are less than God's best, there won't be natural consequences. But it is to hold up this promise that when we're guilty, which we all are, of less than God's best, that we can actually meet Jesus and He, if we're ready to open our hearts to Him, actually will give us grace, which is what we're craving, and not give us what we deserve. And that is the thing that sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. Grace isn't fair. God isn't fair. Ultimately, Jesus came to show that God isn't fair, that he's better than fair, that grace isn't fair, that grace is is better than fair. And we've been asking the question, if this is true, (laughs) I don't know why anyone wouldn't want this to be true. I mean, even if you don't believe it's true, that you would want it to be true because there's a difference between not believing it's true, what Jesus said and did and taught, and not wanting it to be true. Those are two different things. I'm saying, well, I don't know why anyone wouldn't want it to be true, but you know, I also know why some people wouldn't believe it's true. Here's a reason. Because of a group of lying, cheating, greedy, jealous, lustful, tax dodging judgmental, Angry people who eat too much, spend too much, drink too much, medicate too much, worry too much, smoke too much, and who gather together because they believe Jesus is the light of the world and they know they need more light. This is AKA the church. Did I miss anyone off the list? You know, something like, miss me off the list. I'm on there several times. Yeah, yeah. Look, hey, we know. We know you are. And and I would, if, like, okay, my local coffee shop, I take my meetings in there. Gino, the, the, the owner there this week, he says to me, so, Mark, what do you do? What do you, what do you do? It's the inevitable question. What do you do? And uh, I said, I lead a church. And Like, no one knows what their next comment should be. It's just like the ultimate conversation stopper. And I know that, but it's not my job to make your life easier. You ask the question, I'm just giving you the answer. You want me to lie? I'm a gigolo. I mean, if I... I say that, they'd be like, oh, fascinating. No, I said lead a church, they're like. <laughs> but I always wait if, if their next question was, oh, okay, like, what sort of church? Oh, it's a group of lying, cheating, <laughs> greedy. Je- like, I'm just going to be honest, right? And, and I'll go through the list, and, and they'll be like, What? <laughs> Uh, Yeah, because they believe Jesus is the light of the world and they know they need more light. The problem is, for too long, too many churches, and I'm not saying this to judge churches, and I'm not saying we're better than any church, okay? But I'm just putting it out there. My observation is too many churches have communicated to outsiders that Jesus came for church people. That Jesus was sent into the world only for church people. That Jesus died on a cross only for church people. And for you to become a church person, you first have to fix all the stuff on this list. And then you can come in. Because the church doesn't want lying, cheating, greedy, jealous. Because because those people aren't perfect. And churches are about perfect people. Right? Right? Now, in the first two weeks of this series, and if you missed it, you can catch up on our podcast, we talked a lot about the grace that Jesus extends to us. And it's important that we land this series with understanding that Jesus does first extend grace to all of us, outsiders and insiders. And you and I need it every day, even if you're already somebody who's accepted his grace in your life previously. You and I are going to continue to do things that are less than his best and we're going to need his grace. But his grace isn't in intended to stop with us. It's meant to actually pass through us. It's meant to be something that we aren't just recipients of, but we're actually dispensers of. That we're not just here on this planet to receive God's grace and put the post on Instagram about how wonderful it is, but actually to look for ways and opportunities and people that who, for whom God would use us to then extend God's grace to them, to broken, hurting, dying people, just like the people on that list, that we're on that list. And my observation is this, that we are most like Jesus when we extend grace to other people. Now, having said that, while we're being honest here this morning, let's continue the theme. Let's be honest. There are some people you know that are harder to extend grace to than other people, regardless of the crime, right? Some people, you've even got some names flashing before you right now, oh yeah, Uncle Harry. Or some types of people, or some people who do certain types of things that remind you of hurt in your past or things that have happened to other people that you love and are close to you. And so it's easy for us to be conditional with our grace that we start dispensing grace only to people who deserve it. But if that's how Jesus operates, you and I would never have received grace in the first place. Because, as the song that we've sung this morning says so very clearly, you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it. Still, he gives his love and his grace to us. And Jesus, thankfully, because he came here to show and to teach what God's really like, he actually explains why it's easy er for us to extend grace to certain people or certain kinds of people. And I'm going to show you what he had to say about that. If you've got our Elevate Church AU app, you can tap on the Bible tile, bottom left corner. It's going to take you to something that Matthew recorded, and it's going to take you to a slice of, it's, I guess it's sort of something that Jesus taught, that the, 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 big, the big ideas kind of a bit famous beyond just church circles. It's, it's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and it starts, Matthew starts writing it in Matthew chapter 5. It goes through chapter 6. It goes through chapter 7. Chapter 5 is the Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about blessed are the cheesemakers, you know, stuff like that. And... Uh, at least I think that's what he said. I don't know; haven't read it for a while. And uh, chapter six, he goes and he just, what what this this sermon, this thing of Jesus on a hill teaching people. What it is is this Jesus dropping truth bombs, bangers, boom, but all disconnected, in the sense of it's like this theme and this idea and this topic, and, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Thank God Matthew wrote it all down because some real good stuff in there. Seemingly disconnected, but all about the kingdom of God and what God is really like. And he gets—he's kind of winding things down, or you, at least you think he's winding things down. But actually, when you read it, you soon discover he's actually kind of winding up. And he's only—he's—he's he's kind of not just about to get in yours and my business, but he's actually about to smack us in the mouth. Okay. So if that bothers you, then go to Instagram. But if you want to follow along, we're going to have this on the bigger screens in the room as well. This is what Jesus asked, and he asked a question that I—it's incredibly unsettling. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, anybody had a speck of sawdust in their eye recently? Yeah, sure. Yeah, all of us woodworkers, you get it. Look, uh, I, some people are laughing because they know I didn't even know which end of the hammer you meant to hold, but... Uh, but I understand specks of sawdust. I wear contact lenses, okay? And they're, 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 they're rigid contact lenses. Some of the flexibilities are rigid. And just occasionally, I'll get a speck of dust under one. And it's like, ah! And my eye starts watering. And, but don't have, you don't have to pray for me because it's a, it's a simple solution. I go to the basin. I pop that bad boy out. Give it a rinse. Pop it back in. Good to go. Which works just fine when I'm near a basin. One of the problems in my life is I get around on a Vespa, okay? And uh, when the Easterlies are rolling in in the mornings, there's a lot of dust in the air. And yeah, I've got a helmet full face. Well, I'm not full face with the whole thing because on a Vespa with that and the leathers, it, no. Uh, but, but it does have a visor and I do pop that thing down. Um, but in the morning, you know, Easterly coming in. And I remember a couple of years ago, um, I, so I do swim squad in the morning that like finishes about 7 a.m. I'm scooting home. It's about a four kilometer trip home. Uh, scooting home, Easterly coming through. Scooting, scooting. I get about 1K into my 4K journey. Yeah, 4K is not long. 1K in, about, you know, 3Ks to go. And I get a, I get a speck of dust in my left eye. And I'm like, ugh. Ah, oh, so annoying, and it, and it got so bad in like a, like a, this is a pretty decent size, space, so annoying in such a short period of time, my, my eye actually closed up, it was like, so, okay, now I'm scooting one eye, and it's not even my good eye, so it's, things, things are getting a little bit perilous, but, you know, three cases to go, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, then my good eye closed down in sympathy, you know, like... You know? No, you don't know. But it did. I didn't even know. It closed down and it started watering and it closed down. And I'm like, okay, the, no, this is not good. So I pulled over, I think. I used the force and, and Obi-Wan pulled me up to the curb. And I went, okay, three Ks to go. I could get off and I could push my scooter three Ks, but like, I just want to get home quick and just get this thing out. If it's out, then I'm, I'm done, like, I'm problem solved, so, all right, so I came up with this ingenious strategy that I would hold my good eye open and I would point my Vespa in the direction that the street and all the traffic was flowing, It's so 7 a.m., kind of beginning of peak hour, and, uh, and then I'd let it shut, and then I'd ride for 10 seconds, and then I'd break again, <laughs> and then I would look again, yep, still, still on the road and then close it, and count to 10, and then, and, then, and then I just kept doing that. And, you know, okay, spoiler, I made it home alive, right? So don't anyone tell you that specks of sawdust aren't a problem. But, but think about this for a moment. What if, what if someone had strapped a plank to the front of my head the second I got out of swim practice? My coach says, I know what will really help you in your day today. I've got this plank. And I'd be thinking, I'm going to strap that in front of you. Because here's the thing. You would have been driving down Berwick Street with this guy (laughs) scooting and stopping for like what seems to be 10 second intervals and not knowing why. But if I'd had a plank strapped to my head, even though you would have found my behavior equally odd, at least you would have understood it. And Jesus is asking, why do you make such a big deal about a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye which it's been proven that people can scoot without dying for three kilometers and yet you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Well, some of you, maybe you have, are sitting there, you've got, you, you actually have an answer. I mean, this is a rhetorical question in case you missed it. Jesus is asking a rhetorical question. But if you're one of those smart Alex. You think, well, he asked the question. Jesus, I'll tell you why. Because that thing in my husband's eye, it's not a speck. It's a forest. That thing in my wife's eye, that thing in my boss's eye, you Jesus, you don't understand. That thing in my colleague's eye, that thing in my relative's eye, it's not a speck of sawdust. It's a freaking forest. Or, You know, because you can justify that, right? I'm just pointing out a speck, speck. Jesus' specks are this big. This clunk has got, and you're like, that's why, Jesus, it's justifiable, okay? Or you do this one. Ah, come on now. Let's not exaggerate, Jesus. You know that Jesus is listening. It's not a plank in my eye. It's just that, there's other people who don't see the world as I see it. Which is obviously what I'm talking about, the, the correct way. The, the way things really should be. The way things are meant to be. I mean, Jesus, I've read the Bible. I'm, I just do what you say to do and everyone else don't. And I'm not pointing out anything. No, I didn't have a plan. They, no, what? No, they, they're wrong. Well, he didn't give people a chance to come up with their justification. He's come up with another one, rhetorical. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Now, here's the word brother. You can take that out and insert anybody that you think your job is to judge and point out their shortcomings and tell them all the things that are wrong about them and make your list and check it twice and become their personal critic the Monday morning AFL coach who knows everything the team should have done, because with all your wisdom and experience, because everyone, you know, doesn't, the world is so messed up, not everyone sees it like I see it. No, actually, you're messed up. But anyway, why do you say to your husband, why do you say, to, how can you say to your child, how can you say to your parent, how can you say to your colleague, how can you say to your boss, how can you, when all the time, I mean, you just got a speck, and you got to flip and blank. This is where Jesus lands the uppercut. Finish Mike Tyson, TKO Reese, that one's for you. You hypocrite. That's what he has to call people who have been doing this, pointing out the speck in other people's eye while they go to play. You hypocrite. And, and I pictured myself, if there was a bunch of not church people around, a bunch of outsiders around listening to Jesus say this, I'm wondering if they're like, ah. Oh. Finally, finally, someone's calling them out. That's a bunch of angry, to drink too much, smoke too much, bunch of hypocrites that pretend they're perfect and the rest of the world isn't. Finally. Now, who, who said that? That was Jesus said that. Jesus said that? Yeah, Jesus. He said, who did he say it to? He said it to us? No, he didn't say it to us. He said it to people that are following him. He called people that are following him hypocrites. Yeah, he called him hypocrites. So, so he sees them like they really are. Yeah, he sees them like they really are. I'd follow a guy like that. Yeah, I know. Me too. And and by the way, in case you haven't been keeping up, the you that Jesus is referring to is you and me, us individually, us hypocrites. So, oh, that's a bit harsh. No, it's not a bit harsh. It's very harsh. Well, Jesus, if only you knew my upbringing. If only you understood my insecurities. If you knew about my past relationships, you'd know that what I do, I mean, you know, it's just what I do. It's what my dad did. It's what my mom did. It's what, it's what my spouse makes me do. If you knew that, Jesus, you wouldn't be calling me a hypocrite. You'd be going, oh, yeah, fair enough. And we might say that about ourselves, but when it comes to the other people who aren't the you, they're the them, we don't give them the same free kick. Whoa, well, they did this, and there's no excusing that. But when we do it, I'll tell you all the excuses that make it excusable. No, that's what makes you a hypocrite. Jesus, he doesn't, he, we are never going to be perfect this side of heaven, any one of us, right? And we're not a hypocrite for not being perfect. We're a hypocrite when we pretend we are and we judge other people who aren't. And pretend that we're somehow different from them and better than them and more, you know, perfect than them. And it's like, well, no, you know what? All we are, and I'm talking about insiders here, all we are is people who recognize that Jesus is the light and that we need more light. (laughs) Man, I gotta keep a lid on this. You hypocrite. And this is what he tells us. This is the, okay, so what I want you to do, having been, finish him, is you hypocrite. First, take the plank. This is what I want you to do. This is the homework. This is the takeaway. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly enough to point out the speck in your brother's eye. Oh, no, I feel like I read that wrong. Let me try again. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to point out. Oh, no. To remove the speck from your brother's eye. You and I know that there are people in our sphere that bother us. (laughs) You and I know that there are people in our sphere that do things that we look at them and think, really? Well, they say stuff and you're like, ah, humans say things like that? <laughs> and, and, and as long as you and I are breathing, that's always gonna be the truth. But Jesus, who has extended grace to us, who has given us what we didn't deserve, his, his homework to us isn't to stand and point stuff out Even when we've dealt with a lot of our own stuff first, it's to pray, God, as a recipient of your grace, as someone who understands that I was walking around with a plank, and that by your grace and with your your help and with your teaching and with your insight and with your revelation and with you shining light on the plank, I was able to see it and with your help take it out of my eye, now... By the way, I can even see more clearly. I was pointing out specks with a plank before. Now I can see even more clearly. But you haven't given me the job description of pointing out the speck in other people's eyes. You've given me the job description of extending grace to other people, of being used by you to help remove the the, the speck from you. Do you know that you're even going to meet some people who want to have the speck removed, but don't know how, and have lost hope? and can't see the light because of the speck, because they're driving their Vespa with their eyes closed. Do you understand? You know when Jesus says, I'm the hope of the world? He's He's saying that to say that that even if you're aware that you've got specks in your eye, point it in my direction, and I'll help take the speck out. And often the thing that he uses, the vessel that he uses, is you and me. And so our prayer for Christmas isn't that God would fill our church with church people, angry, drink too much people, that he'd bring in more angry, porn-watching, wife abuse. Do you understand? That he would fill his church with imperfect people like you and I still are, and that they would be exposed to a light that's not trying to shine a light of shame on the speck in their eye. Not trying to shine the light of shame in the direction of all the things that they know are wrong and disappointing and messed up and full of regrets. But that they would meet a Jesus who says, I'm the light of the world and I've come to shine a light on your life and it's a light of hope. That you don't have to stay that way. That actually, guess what? Look around. All these these church people that you've thought, they don't look much better than me, they're not. Some of them are worse, okay? Understand that. But ask them their story. And by the way, one of the ways you can help remove the speck from your brother's eye is be honest about your story. Yeah, you know what? I am not yet the person I want to be, but let me tell you what I used to be. Let me tell you how far God's brought me along the journey of hope and purpose and fulfillment. I've still got a long way to go and I mess up every single, but let me, let me tell you my story. Wouldn't, what sort of a difference would it make to some of your friends, the outsiders, who don't believe Christianity is true yet? What sort of a difference would it make If the reputation of Jesus' church was one of hope, not judgment, was one of promise, not criticism, was one of let's go on this journey together, because I'm imperfect, no offense, just like you. I just wonder how transforming, because one of the biggest hurdles we have and churches have is that some of your friends... At this point in time, they want to walk in the door because they think the roof's going to fall. <laughs> because Jesus has been watching them while they're sleeping and while they've been awake. And he knows when they've been good and bad. And they haven't always been good for goodness sake. And some of the people you're going to invite to Christmas here with Elevate, some of them are going to say no. But here's what I've come to understand in almost every case, if they say no, they're not saying no to who Jesus was or what Jesus taught because Jesus was a rock star. One of the reasons he got crucified is he's becoming too popular because who wouldn't love this sort of teaching? Who wouldn't love this sort of mercy? Who wouldn't love someone that can go and zap out some miracles? I mean, what's not to love about that? And often it's people saying no, not to Jesus and not to you either, by the way. They're not rejecting you. But rejecting the idea of a church. But what if, what if this was our job description, and what if we took this seriously? What sort of a difference would that make in our world, and not just around Christmas? But boy, talk about peak season. People say to me, "Oh, you lead a church." I say, "Well, you going away for Christmas?" I'm like, "What? No, you idiot! Stop with the stupid questions." Let me pray. I just want to pray uh, specifically for any of you here this remind me about insiders and outsiders, and it's not elite club, and uh, am I an outsider or an insider? I kind of just use that as a simple way of saying, if you're not yet following Jesus, okay, then we say, right, well, as far as like faith, you're an outsider, but it's not a criticism, and the reason it's not a criticism is because he actually invites you to follow him, and, and it's as simple as you saying, yeah, I'd, I'd actually want to put my faith in you and follow you. And so I want to do, just as I finish today and we finish this series, give one more opportunity today. We've been doing this the last couple of weeks. For anyone who hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity right here, right now, for you to say, yes, I want to put my faith in you. I want to follow you. And all all I'm going to ask is those of you that have yet to make that decision, to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, just you put your hand up right where you're seated. My contact lenses are in. I'll probably see you. But when I do, I just put your hand down and I'm from here. I'm just going to pray for you and kind of wrap it up, hand it over to Karen. But uh, if you've not yet made a decision to say yes to follow Jesus, just how about you make that decision this morning. I couldn't encourage you more strongly to make that decision for you this morning. Jesus didn't come just for church people. He came for everybody. And uh, he wants you to be one of those people that accepts his grace and love. And you can do that right now. So I don't want to miss anybody. And we're going to make this opportunity available uh, around Christmas as well. Okay. Well, emotionally shifting gears leading into Christmas. Check this out. Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.